Today's program was made possible by the generous prayer and support of the faithful friends and partners of this ministry. Visit our new website at Sheila.media. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this February 1st, 2019 edition. Wow, where did January go? It's going by fast, folks. We have a great show today. You're going to be very blessed. But before I introduce my fantastic guest, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel. There is an incredible expose. I'm hoping to do it over the weekend and have it ready for Monday. It is my expose on halal. That's right. I'm going to effectively destroy what you think you know about halal. That's H-A-L-A-L. What is halal, you ask? You need to watch this expose for sure. As well as make sure you're going to my website daily bookmark www.sheila.media we update our news headlines every day and a lot of work goes into those we scour around and try to get the best news headlines and again on your screen you'll see the little icon there the social media icons there on that left hand bar i'm really trying to get organized for video very soon so Please be praying for that. I hope to go to video very soon. I'm hoping sometime in April. That really is my goal. And lastly, please, if you're not supporting this show, please do. You can become one of my patrons for any amount. Just go up on the menu to donate. You can click there and there is ways to donate. And I thank you very much for that. Part of the show, what it tries to do is equip the saints in these very dark times. Well, speaking of equip the saints, wow, I am so impressed with this book. I want to tell you about it because, listen, it is so good. My guest today is a good friend of the program. It is the one, the only, Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. Steve, welcome back to the program. It's great to have you back on, sir. Well, thank you, Sheila. You know, after all the writing I've done, and the the radio shows I've done and stuff, this has been the passion in my heart because I got saved during the height of the Jesus movement. And I tell everybody, the people I know that got saved during the Jesus movement are still the majority of them walking with the Lord because of two reasons. Number one, the Jesus movement was named after Jesus and everybody throughout the country, actually throughout the world, was talking about Jesus. And number two, there was a power of the Holy Spirit that was transforming lives. And so this is the book I've always wanted to write. And I'll tell people how it came about. The title is Jesus, the Premise of the Promise, and it's a fascinating study only about the scriptures, and I've used the scriptures, and I've illustrated with personal things that the Lord has taught me. I want to go on record. This is the most non-religious book you'll read. The scriptures are there, but I did not write this, nor was I led to write this, to the general Christians that just will need another Christian book to to lead up. I am asking the Lord, I don't know how long I have left on the planet, but that I am faithful to present the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Sheila, you've heard me say this even on your show. I want the wow factor back in the people that worship the Lord, that wow, he's the king of kings. Wow, he's the Lord. And by the word wow, I use it as an acronym, a wonder of his word, okay? The wonder of his word. So Psalm 46.1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not kidding. I got this whole book downloaded in the shower. I dictate books. I don't type them out. And God put it in my spirit so fast that even for my mind, the way it spins, I was able to grasp it. Like a burst transmitter, those of you familiar with spycraft, you'll know that you don't just type a word, how are you, meet me at the Kremlin. You, you burst transmit it in code. But here's the thing that the Lord really put on my heart, and this is really critical for people. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to lift up Jesus. One of the things that has been bugging me more than anything in the world, and I, I've said it on your show, and it's easy because it's so simple, is the fact of the cowardice of Christians that proclaim to be Christians, yet won't speak the name of Jesus, don't understand the Word of God. So I believe the Lord told me this. He said, Steve, I want you to use the word help. That's when he gave me the scripture. And help as an acronym, and I want to give it to everybody in the 10 modes, and then we'll go through it. And this is how it 
came to be in this order. God's everlasting, His, now just remind, His everlasting everything, His everlasting preeminence, His everlasting power, His everlasting presence, His everlasting protection, His everlasting provision, His everlasting patience, His everlasting purity, His everlasting proclamation, His everlasting peace, and His everlasting promise. Lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age, that where I am you may be also. And then the last chapter was hope. And i got to be honest with you, there are times I lose hope, and I want to just be blunt. And at the times I lose hope, I'm reminded that Jesus is my hope. So I said, Lord, you gave me help as his everlasting in all the P words, okay? I said, what does hope mean? And it was a genuine thing, and that's when she dropped into my spirit, his overcoming power every day. Well, I had looked at hope as a process of just, you know, kind of wishing that, you know, basically I make it out of this life alive, bearing witness to the Lord, and I'm faithful to the end. But I didn't look at it, the word overcoming power every day. So I I, I write on the back of it, and uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Sheila was one of the first two people that got this manuscript because I wanted her to see it as an author herself and also as a woman that takes a lot of flack because she talks about prayer, she talks about the Holy Spirit. Now here's what I said. This book is the least religious and most down-to-earth end-time manual that you'll ever read, and it's also the timeliest through the candid life stories of my intimate personal struggle and victories, I'll share with you how everyone can achieve victory through Jesus Christ. And it all comes down to this, Sheila. There is no victory for the Christian apart from Jesus. There is no power apart from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God is not a respecter of persons. And anybody who thinks they can stand in the theology of their understanding in this day and age is grossly mistaken. There is no case in Scripture where God's people or those who claim to be God's people, ever overcame the evil that now we're being faced with outside of God breaking through on their behalf, because he is our high tower, he is our hiding place, he is our all in all. So, by the way, I believe, and I'm saying this with all uh, my intention, I'm not writing another book. I'll do some videos, you know, because obviously that's where my passion is right now. But again, how do people even begin to grasp the serious nature of the persecution now that's coming upon the church all over the world. We see the heinous, wickedness, barbarous, demonic, wretched, satanic sacrifice of of up to nine-month-old children. This is butchery, barbarism, and if this doesn't demand that Christians get off their lazy posteriors and scream at the top of the line or get on their face to God and say, God, I'm not getting off my face until you give me power to deal with this and to overcome it and stand for the helpless. I am sick of the meow men. I am sick of the apologists. I am sick of the surrenderists. I am sick of the weenies. I am sick of people that are absolutely such keyboard warriors that they would never speak out against evil. They've never won one person to Jesus. And by the way, as you know in my book, I deal with a time I was literally translated out of my car going at a wonderfully high rate of speed before the throne, the judgment seat of Jesus. And he looked down on me. And I'd seen Jesus before because obviously that's how I got saved. And he asked me one question. He said, Steve, when I've given you so much, why have you done so little? And Sheila, that burned in my heart. And I bowed my head, and I was a white alabaster throne, the glory of God. And I said, forgive me, Lord, give me another chance. And I was in my car eight miles down the road, and that really happened. Wow. And so the thing is, is that I want people to understand, look, I didn't choose Jesus. He chose me. I was a perfect example of someone who is wretched, reprobate, and disgusting. And that's the, that's the nice version, okay? I never want to wallow in my sin or even brag about it. But when I got saved, it was such a traumatic thing because I was a, I'll just say this, I made Belushi 
look like Little League on campus at Montana State University, MSU in Bozeman. I was the president of a fraternity that was so <laughs> profane that I think I spent more time before the conduct committee of the deans of the school. I was in film and television. That's why I graduated in with a couple degrees in motion picture production and still photography. And yet that's the point that God chose to reveal himself to me. And so, again, this book is written to people who can, the overcome word is the most avoided word in the world because most people think, you know, they're out of here. And if I get one more of the please, if you believe that you're getting out of here in a pre-tribulation rapture, don't waste my time, don't waste your time, because you should have been out of here by now. We have brethren being stoned, we have brethren being cut, uh, slaughtered, and you know, even now, the mullahs, and, and they're making excuses that, according to Islam, you can eat, like cannibalize your victims. Yeah. And that was one of the things, Sheila, that the Lord showed me when the end times would start. He said the tribulation starts when cannibalism fills the headlines and when the volcanoes of your day all start going off simultaneously. He actually said the largest ones. So I'm excited about this book because this is my last book, and I want it to be the most blessed thing. I thank God for everything I've been able to share, teach. Those have been one to the Lord, you know, those who have been brought back. My greatest compliment that I immediately give to the Lord is when people say, thank you for making it easy for me to come back to Jesus. Nothing else in my life has ever meant more than that statement. Nothing. I mean that. Indeed. It's very, very rewarding, especially in a time where it's ubiquitous in the church that people do not know. They don't have a familiarity with the power of the living God. They've never had that experience, the powerful experience with Jesus. There's nothing else, folks. Look around. Look at the headlines. Look what's going on in New York. They stood and cheered for murdering babies. I mean, need I say more? Insanity. It's the new black, Steve. It is, and and years ago, and, and you know, when I've been on talk radio 25 years, I can actually make statements because everything that I've ever said is recorded, or people who have listened to me that long, Sheila, will remember this. But the point we are at now, there is no returning. There is no political answer to a spiritual solution. I want everybody, here's the word I've been given, okay? Because I always like to come on a, a um, show with a fresh word for people, okay? And I've been praying about everything that's going on in the political realm. And I want to make a statement, probably starting no later than the end of this week, I'm switching the entire focus of my website to what I would consider important news other than politics. That means volcanoes, earth changes, geoengineering, the stuff I actually started out on radio and some TV. The point being is that I sense such an urgency in my spirit, especially with the Cascadia region, that's the entire volcanoes on the West Coast, you know, and all of the activity that's going on, the different plagues, I'm really focusing in on the great deception coming that the aliens created us, and that's the whole point of Branson answering the alien question. And by the way, if they want to buy my book, too, Jesus, A Premise of Promise, the first 500 people I'm going to autograph it for. Uh, you know, I never realized, Sheila, you probably did, but I mean, to sit down and for hours autograph books, I mean, not only do you get writer's cramp, but you go, you know, your your hand just, just starts to shake after a while. And I, I was so grateful to be able to meet the different people. And this year, it's my goal at Branson. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but, uh, you know, as everybody's outside standing to register, I, I absolutely want the opportunity to shake as many hands as I can. And by the way, I fist bump, not because I'm trying to be some ethnic differentiation, but because of uh, Tom Watson. I don't play golf, but he made a statement. When he quit shaking hands, he quit getting sick. And so don't take offense at anybody or if I grab your shoulder. But that's my goal, to 
to meet as many people over the three days as possible, starting registration day. Now, we've got some of the great speakers coming, and FYI, everyone, uh, I'm not at liberty to talk about it right now, but I have an eyewitness whose father was big in the aerospace industry who will be speaking at Branson. He's not yet on the uh, webpage. Personal insight of reverse engineering, personal insight of what was going on after Roswell, personal insight of reversing reverse engineering, not reading somebody's, uh, you know, friend of a friend on the internet, a man who absolutely you'll all recognize. And we had a wonderful talk today. He said, just hold off for a week until I write up what I want to talk about. And so we're at the point now, Sheila, where the deception is coupled with persecution, is coupled with betrayal, is coupled with unimaginable evil. Jesus said there's never been a time like it, nor would be again, and except the days would be shortened for the elect's sake, and because of that, that you know, or there'd be no flesh left alive, God's going to shorten the days. I challenge anybody to tell me that their life hasn't sped up in the last year. I want you to think back one year ago to whatever, January 29th, end of January, and think, where did it all go? I don't know about people that write to you and email you, but Sheila, when I talk to people, they simply say, I can't believe where the time has gone. And that's a perfect point to witness. I said, well, let me tell you what's happening. I said, the time and the way human beings process time is in the brain, but also God promises he's going to speed things up. And he's speeding it up for the elect's sake. And I want to share this. Most Christians I know are not even accurate biblically on the promises of God and don't even understand that the premise of the promise in Genesis that God was going to redeem mankind is in Jesus. And I get equally frustrated. Look, I am not claiming to be anything other than this. A sinner saved by grace, a man who has nothing except he receive it from above, somebody who Jesus supernaturally revealed himself to at the height of my paganism and my uh, twisted view of life, total hedonistic, and somebody someplace prayed for me and touched God on my behalf. I think they probably were praying, God, either save him or kill him, but, you know, thank God he saved me, because <laughs> I was horrible. And I go into detail in my book about how I lived as a child. I pretty much was on the street at 13, at a father that was an alcoholic. I became an alcoholic as a teenager. I mean, a real one, not a wannabe, not a hope to be, not a fun to be, but I did. And so the thing that's important is that people understand that everything is in the name of Jesus. Because aren't we told, how are we told to pray, Sheila? Yeah, in my name. Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. Colossians 3.17 tells us, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Absolutely, Steve. It's so powerful. And uh, speaking of powerful encounters with Jesus, talk about one fateful night in the 70s when you came across a gentleman named Hal Lindsay and how that night changed your life, Steve. Well, I think it changed my life because I was watching wars, and, and, and I had always been a history student. I actually was taught the different continents. I, I knew a good uh, a good deal of world history. The only thing my dad ever did that I, I could say was smart, he took me and my brother, and uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I only had one brother, and he was murdered. And so the thing is, I have a different attitude about self-defense, and so if weenies want to tell me it's wrong to defend yourself, I would just say, this. There is no place in the scripture that that is even justifiable. The turning the other cheek is with an insult, but Jesus told his disciples to buy a sword, and, and uh, so I want to just share with that, but I basically came in to the hunger to know, and I, that was after the Six-Day War, you know, and I heard that this guy was going to be talking about Bible prophecy, actually from a girlfriend of mine that we didn't continue on after I became a Christian for certain reasons. It's probably 
not hard to figure out because I wanted to change. I wanted to be different. I didn't want to do what I would normally do. But thank God she told me about this guy talking to Bible prophecy at the student union building, and I literally heard him talk. And what was interesting, Hal had about, I think, 800 people. Now, you got to understand, his position on eschatology and mine are totally different. But I thank God for him when he pointed at me and said, Jesus loves me, and I knew what I was, okay? There was, I, I, I didn't even know who Jesus was. i got to tell you something. I was so biblically ignorant that I did not know who Jesus was. I had no church upbringing. I had nothing, okay? Nothing, not a zero. Zilch. So I didn't have any prerequisites. I wasn't having a crisis period looking. Somebody said, but you're just having a crisis period looking for a Savior. I said, uh-uh. I said, I was a crisis, and my Savior came looking for me, <laughs> you know? And seriously, the thing that was so exciting to me is after he pointed at me, I asked him to come into my heart, and I didn't even know what that meant. Now, understand, Hal Lindsey pointed at me and said, Jesus even loves you. And I got, well, only Jesus could love me. And the only thing I knew about Jesus was this guy up on stage wrote a book, The Late Great Planet Earth, and that he was pointing at me. So that's how I got saved. I go to my mother's house, I don't know, 10 blocks from university, in front of the park in Bozeman called Cooper Park, went into my bedroom, and the glory of God, literally, Jesus appeared to me. Now, understand, I'm thrown on my face, okay, and I'm talking the glory of God. I'm not talking about a shadow. I'm not talking about, you know, just a feeling. I'm talking about the literal person of Jesus came into my room. I fell at his feet as dead. He lifted me up. I said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, your Savior, and I'm calling you to a Joseph's ministry. Well, I didn't know who Joseph was. I just found out who <laughs> Jesus was. And I, I know that sounds really bad, but we're talking really ignorant, okay? Then the Lord proceeded to give me a panorama of history. He showed me the future. And he said to me, he said, but I'm only going to show you the different events as they are to come to pass. I'm seeing stuff I could put into a historical context, and some of it I had no clue of. And that's when it really got interesting, because I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what that was. I began to worship him. And what was fascinating about it, he told me that I would know him in a very special way through his word. Now, understand, ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't believe in Noah's Ark. I couldn't believe in Adam and Eve. I didn't believe in anything. I couldn't. It was too distant from me. But I did believe in Jesus because he was so gracious to save me. And, you know, Sheila, I think of this. He who's forgiven much and my much forgiveness loves much. Yeah. And I thank God for the fact that that's such a wonderful scripture that I get to carry the message that there's nobody outside of the grace of God that he won't bring to himself if they'll confess their sin. Trust me, that was a long process in my life. But going on, when he told me that I would know him in a very special way, he shared with me stuff about my life. And some of it I don't share because, you know, it's personal. And I want to share something with everybody. If God has given you a promise, even if it's 40, 50 years old, and it has not come to pass, the last thing you want to do is go to an unbeliever to ask them what they think about a word that God has given to you. The last thing you want to do, because you're aborting the faith seed that God had placed in you. You even look at Nehemiah. He said, neither did I tell any man what God had placed within my heart to do. Mary said she hid it in her heart. You need to hide things in your heart, water it with prayer and thanksgiving. Because, Sheila, there's none of us, none of us, no one listening to us, you or I, that are going to make it through the time that's coming upon us, except by the power of God. And I'm talking about the supernatural power of God. Fast forward, I'm in the Christian bookstore after I get saved. I don't even know the time, it was within a year, and two guys show up to the Christian bookstore, I'm not there, and they said, we're seeking Steve Quayle. The Lord told us to come and pray for him. They've never met me, I never heard of them. They go to the Christian bookstore, that's where the Spirit of the Lord led them, and some lady just happened to know somebody that knew me. They tracked me down. How weird is that? Uh -huh. The word of the Lord to me when I'm in his, in, in his presence is, you're going to know me through uh, my word in a very special way, and these guys come and say, we're here to lay hands on you so that you might know the Lord in a very special way. 
Wow. And when they laid their hands on me, something happened. I got an insatiable hunger for the Word of God. I absolutely went wild for Jesus. I was in film and TV. Film and TV was probably one of the most profane departments because everybody was there for whatever reason, you know, to make this, make that, and just basically it's where, you know, a lot of guys who are in drugs, and for the record, I, did, I wasn't in drugs. I was in booze until I got saved, and after I got saved, God took me cold turkey. I mean, cold turkey wow. with no booze, you know, and the only time I went back to booze is when 10 years later I backslid for two years, and I'm not proud of it. But I think, you know, the Bible says, King David said, let the man whom the Lord has redeemed say so. So you've read the book. I'm trying to be as blatantly honest as I can. I am a faulted, failing man, but all I know is this. I can't look at what a mess I am. I can only look at the God who can take a mess, and I loved it in Genesis. He can take chaos and make the beauty of the earth and the planets and everything else, then he's capable of changing me and everyone listening to this. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are running from the Lord. I know there's a lot of people out there that have been damaged by some pickpocket in the pulpit or some busybody woman or some disgusting, cowardly man who's taken advantage of women. And by the way, I'm aware of what goes on in fellowships, and it's astonishing. I once went to Texas to a certain group. I won't even name them because people will accuse me of something, and they offered me a comfort sister. Well, I'm happily married, okay? And I was so dumb, I didn't know what a comfort <laughs> sister is. I thought it was babyly. I know, seriously, because I was staying in a hotel, I thought, well, what is that, a maid that comes in? I mean, and I came out of a really raw, you know, world, but I didn't know what a comfort sister is. And I said, no, no, I don't go there, you know? And again, it was speaking to a group of ministers, and the, each one of them, you know, came in in limousines, and it was during Y2K, so that year would have been around, what, 1999 before Y2K. So what I have found, and this is what I'm sharing, is Jesus is the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can fill us with his Holy Spirit. The Word of God is very clear on all that he is. He's our all in all. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, it says everything that exists and everything that consists is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The front cover of my uh, book, which Darren Geisender did a beautiful job on, a crown of thorns before the crown of the kingdom that only the king of glory can wear. And do you know, Sheila, that most people don't know that the crown of thorns was indicative of not only did Jesus bear the sin of the world and all of our sin, but he even bore the sin of the curse of the earth when God cursed it because of sin. And the crown of thorns was the redemption of the glorious creation that God would restore through Jesus and bring about what it was always meant to be. So I'm excited about this. I truly am. Because again, we're dealing with earthquakes and famine and civil unrest, economic meltdown, war, fallen angels, demons, aliens, persecution, and all these are prophesied to happen now or in the near future. But what's really happening is the persecution has kicked into high gear. So I want people to understand that, you know, they can pre-order the book and start shipping, I think, the 1st of March. And, uh, you know, I'm going to sign them all ahead of time. And I think people will be blessed by this because it is a book, and you've read it. It goes through chapter by chapter, and I personalize it, but I also share with people there is no way anybody can read this book and not come away with understanding the biblical revelation of Jesus, not interpreted by me, but defined by Scripture. And I think that's really important. I think that's very important. Absolutely. And I think what is so, and you just mentioned it, what is so amazing about this book, it's such an up-close and personal testimony of you, Steve. The word of their testimony, Steve, it says that in Scripture. I think someone's testimony is so powerful because it's personalized. It's like, you know, when I was 17 and I got saved, oh, I got saved. Boy, the same day that I accepted Jesus as my Savior— that night where they were doing baptisms at the lake, I went down to that lake, and when that big man from the Cook Islands dunked me down into that water, I came out of that water speaking in tongues and just praising God, and I knew something powerful happened, and that's the thing. I just thought that happened for everyone. 
Well, and, and, and the other thing I want to share with people is this. I understand that not everyone has this experience. And the man with the experience, I've had people tell me to go F myself, that I'm a liar, that I'm a fraud. I can only tell you this. Those things were all true before I got saved, but I changed so dramatically that people thought I was faking it. Yet the fruit of my life, God started a move on campus on MSU, and Wayne Snyder was our pastor. Wayne Snyder, I've referred to him before. He was David Wilkerson's pastor in Tyler, Texas, before David went home to be with Jesus, and uh, Wayne did too. But the thing that's impressive to me is that God met me. I, I walked into a service. I, I went to a leadership conference. I understand. I'm like the most non-religious guy in those days, and I, I'm taken to a leadership conference for ministers, not only Assembly of God, but full gospel people, and they're just taking it all in, and I'm applying the word of the Lord that he gave me, and, and I go into the detail of Joy Dawson give me a word of the Lord. If you ever knew Joy Dawson for YWAM, she's probably the most intense woman I've ever met in my life. She told me to shut up during the meeting because I was talking to her, but she gave me one of the greatest prophecies I've ever been given, and it came to pass, Sheila, even as she spoke. Wow. So when, when I had a friend named Bill Warwood, still alive, we would meet. I somehow ran into him, and he was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. We became great friends, an amazing car driver. Had I had the money, I would have put him in a Formula One car, and he'd be famous today. He's that good. I mean... Trust me, I knew good drivers. He was a great driver. But we'd meet for hours every day, and that's not an exaggeration. Listening to every tape that was put out by whoever, some of the greatest preachers of the day and, and the most powerful preachers, and the Word became resident within me. And, you know, it was weird because I used to walk into meetings, okay? Blue jeans, T-shirt, cowboy boots. I loved cowboy boots in those days. I wasn't a cowboy, <laughs> you know? I probably couldn't even have saddled a horse in those days, learned to do it afterwards, but that was me. And the deal is, is that the word of the Lord would come to me. I would seek God in private through the night one time, go to a full gospel businessman's meeting, and the speaker, Don Ostrom, I believe from Spokane, he owned a bunch of uh, like rest homes and stuff. He absolutely would not start the meeting until he gave me a word of prophecy. And, that's, and I won't share what he told me because it's personal and it's powerful, and I'm not going to allow the scoffers to mock, but the point is, is that I had prayed all night for three specific things before he starts a meeting. This is in the Student Union building, by the way, the same room where I had met Jesus a couple of years before. You know, I had Hal Lindsey give me the word of the Lord, went home and met Jesus in my bedroom. And he basically said, young man, do I know you? And he sa I said, no, sir. Do you know me? I said, no, sir. I just know you're the speaker. And I wasn't trying to be a wise guy. And he asked me, have I ever seen you before? And I said, no. And he said, God will not let me start this meeting until I give you a specific word. And then he gave me, in order, the same word-for-word word three things that I had prayed the night before, and that's how I knew that God had his hand on my future, and it related to the ministry. And you know, Sheila, I'm still waiting after 47 years for that to come to pass, and every now and then someone will give me a word. They don't know me, but they'll give me a word that relates to that. I keep my mouth shut, but I say, thank you, Lord. That's why I want to encourage everybody. Look, I'm an example. I'm an example of someone who is so absolutely disgusting that God's grace was not too great for me. And I'm reaching out tonight to everybody. I'm reaching out to those of you who are living in sin right now. I'm reaching out to those who are crying in your heart. I'm reaching out to those who believe that you're beyond the grace of God. I get probably five emails a week minimum of people saying, God won't welcome me back. You don't know what I did. I said, trust me, God will welcome you back, and I'm here to tell you, you know, and you wouldn't be emailing me if there wasn't a hope that God will take you back. So I'm, I'm saying tonight, Papa God, he's got a big heart. And, you know, I'm, I'm just telling you this. 
We're told to contend with a face, Sheila. I thank God for your resilience. I thank God for your, and this is a compliment, orneriness, okay? It pays to be ornery. You don't get anywhere by laying down for the critics and the damnable heretics and the slanderers and those who do nothing but destroy and tear down. And like I had to tell one guy in my email, he was taking me on because he doesn't like my position on something. He said, listen, just answer me one question. How many people have you won to the Lord? And and they normally won't answer me. They say, well, it's not of works as any man should boast. I said, you're ripe for salvation. But James says, show me your works and and I'll believe you have faith. Or, you know, the people that want to argue about fallen angels or devils. And by the way, most of them that contact me, not all, but most of them are demon-possessed. I mean, literally (laughs) demon-possessed. They are manifesting, you know, and the standard thing I get always, well, I don't believe you. And that's why my answer is, of course you don't. You don't believe, and that's your problem, because you don't know the Word of God. I'm hoping that Jesus, the premise of the promise, got to understand Colossians 1, 16 and 17. If there's ever a scripture that defines who Jesus is, he's not just a prophet. He is the Son of God. And then the Muslims say, God has no children. Oh, yeah? Well, I got news for you. Even Proverbs says, tell me if you have wisdom, what is God's son's name? You know, the, the whole thing is, is that there's more antagonism towards Jesus from the professing church. There's more cowardice towards Jesus from the professing church. There's more uh, denial of Jesus in the professing church. And I want to challenge everybody. You think I'm over-embellishing it? When's the last time, by his name, you shared Jesus by name with anybody? That's good. And you know what? That is good because, you know, and and again, the Lord asked me a question. And by the way, when he sent those brothers from Portland, Oregon, from a Bible school, to lay hands on me, the Lord said, you're going to know me in a very special way through my word. People say, you're crazy if you hear from God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and and they obey, and another will they not listen to, you know? And so when people say to me, oh, all that God stuff, that's just nonsense. I'm telling you this, the Satanists right now are having full-scale manifestations of that and he who they serve, and the Christians will deny the very God who saved them. And when I wrote the introduction to Tom Horn's Blood on the Altar, Sheila, the blood is flowing on the altar. Your enemies and my enemies are before they're the world. They're believers who basically want to challenge you, challenge anybody who speaks the Word of God, anybody who claims to have been transformed by the Word of God. You want to point out my sin? Good luck. I got news for you. It'd take Waikiki to deal with all my sin. And, <laughs> and the point is, is guess what? The blood of Jesus covers it all. So, you know, it's not about self-righteousness. It's about His righteousness. It's not about being a good Christian. There, I, I remember one of the most freeing things the Lord ever said to me. He said, Steve, there is no such thing as a good Christian, only redeemed ones. How many times have you been, oh, you, she thinks she's such a good Christian. Somebody says that to me about you, I said, uh-uh, Sheila knows she's redeemed. Oh, you think you're such a good Christian. You're better than everybody. Are you? I said, are you kidding? I'm the worst of the bunch. <laughs> and if I'm the worst and God's grace covers my sin, how about you? If you think you're the best, then, hey, you're, you're steps ahead of me. Or somebody says, well, I didn't sin like you, so I don't know the grace of God. And you know what I say? Thank God you didn't. Thank God you had Christian parents. Thank God you didn't have to come the hard way. Thank God he spared you from all that. I trade so much. The thing is, is that he's able to redeem us all. Look, there's prodigals out there, you know? There's prodigals out there. And Jesus said the scripture's true. The dog returns to its vomit. Anybody who's ever had a dog goes, they should know better than to vomit and go back to it. But Sheila, you know, you know I put in my book, I'm pretty blunt, and, you know, I basically said God does not tolerate frozen vomit, okay? Because he said if we're lukewarm, he's going to spew us out of his mouth. And God's people just are not that way. Here's the thing. Anybody who's really redeemed cannot help but share it. Again, during the Jesus movement, I came out of it. I talked to Susan York today. She came out of the Jesus movement. Romy came out of it. John Kyle, my beloved brother, you know, he came out of it. We were comparing one time who had longer hair. I know that some people say you can't have long hair. Trust me, when you get to be 67 and it thins, you go, you know, I'd like a little more of that, you know, but the point (laughs) 
being is that, you know, the idea is this. We serve a supernatural God who literally speaks the worlds into existence, everything. He absolutely, yet he is so infinitely personal that he will reach down and touch somebody's life. And, and I can't tell you how many times I tell people, if you're honest, the most powerful prayer I know is help me Jesus. And I hope that by reading this book, people will get a whole different idea of help. And I never knew that. Sheila, I never knew that before God dropped it into my spirit and absolutely gave me the full understanding of each one of these chapters and then how it meant to be redemptive and loving. I can tell you this, you will never take your salvation for granted. You'll never take Jesus for granted. And may God put the wow back in your heart for such a great gift of redemption. I'm telling you this, I pray God builds a fire. I pray the power of the Holy Ghost falls upon the people that are listening to this. I pray that every backslider says, Jesus, you'll really take me back. And you've got to quit sinning. Here's the deal. Ask God to give you the power to quit sinning because you know what you're doing. You know, people say, well, I can't help myself. You're right. You can't help yourself, but you can decide to say, Lord, I can't help myself. Help me. Because the Bible says we're his workmanship. So I want people to know I'm not, by the grace of God, I am not going to go out quiet, meek, or surrendering, or allowing wickedness to trample. The Lord God of heaven rebuke New York. I am personally praying, hey, if you're a Christian in New York, I'm praying that God will protect you. I am praying that God's full fury and judgment comes upon New York. And by the way, there's only two places in the United States with cities called Babylon. One's obviously Babylon, New York. You know, interesting, the other one is in Illinois. And look at the judgment Illinois is coming under with their absolute murder capital of the United States. The freezing, blasting fury of God's displeasure is on that. And, you know, people tell me, like, even when I say, I get out of California, well, there's just as many Christians here as any place else. I said, then you've got more than necessary to agree to basically find out if that's where the Lord wants you, because I've made the statement, I stand by it, I am not free to tell people what I see coming next, except I will say this, that after Branson, you heard me say this before, and it's happening, after Branson, I see such darkness, and the Lord keeps saying to me, for the night comes when no man can work. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. I just know this, that Branson is critical because people have got to know that the alien deception, when we hear the gates of hell are going to open, Sheila, they've opened. Yeah. I mean, if I were to, if I were, and I should do this, except I'm, you know, I'm, like I said to you earlier, I said I'm a chimpanzee with a hammer on a keyboard when it comes to typing, you know, and I don't do my own website. Thank God I got somebody that knows what they're doing. But the point is, is that we are at that entry point of full scale, the gates of hell. And if you think you can stand against it in your glib uh, religious tradition, I would say this, luck will fare you better than a assumed position in God that you can't occupy. So again, Sheila, thank you for reading my book, and thank you for absolutely giving me your feedback, because the two things I asked Sheila, ladies and gentlemen, is, number one, does it come across as not religious? She said, absolutely. I said, does it come across as me sharing the supernatural move of God in the most vile and wretched sinner, that be me, and does it come across? She said, Steve, yes, you've accomplished that. Hallelujah! Because in essence, look, all God asks us to do is be real with him. He knows when we're lying. I learned a long time ago, you can't put God on, so just confess your sin. As God told David, tell my people, when they sin, confess it, repent, don't do it again, and get up off your feet. And I'm telling you this, the arms of God are awfully big. He welcomes everyone and anyone that will repent coming back into the family of God. Don't think you'll find it in a church. My prayer for everybody since I've been a Hagman and Hagman on Sheila's show and every other show that has had a Christian audience and even a non-Christian audience is God will put the lonely in homes. God will meet the... And loneliness is such an ugly thing. I know how many people are struggling. I get their emails. I know how many people are starving. I get their emails. I'm asking God for such a move of God that 
the, if you will, the love of God, and trust me, Sheila, you know this statement, if you were to go by the love of God in your email or my email, we go, hmm, they must have missed that part, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, and, and I'm defensive as all get out. Somebody said, why are you so defensive? You're an angry man. You bet I am. I'm defensive and I'm angry because the people of God have absolutely abdicated by their cowardice and by their silence the great gift of salvation. And by the way, you can be angry and sin not. I'm just trying to make sure I'm on that court and not just basically... The Bible says God is angry with the sinner all the day long. I don't think, Sheila, do you, that God's just going to let New York skate on this one? Because again, ladies and gentlemen, Mike at National News, Adams said this, his headline... Democrats just legalize murdering their own children in New York. Do you really think they won't murder Christians and Trump supporters next? Listen, it's out of control. There is no going back. And when I and I want everyone to pray about this. I don't think I, we talked about this, Sheila. I want everybody to pray about this. Ask the Lord to show you the word masquerade, M-A-S-Q-U-E-R-A-D-E, as it applies to all the political uh, events taking place. One of the greatest and most, in my opinion, telling things that's happening is when you see people, and I don't know Roger Stone, when you see all these people that used to be Trump's best friends and stuff being thrown to the dogs and literally abandoned, I never knew that guy. Well, see, that to me is a Pontius Pilate cop-out or the Peter denying the Lord. So there's something going on, and I, I don't have full understanding, but I'm telling you all, please take this to the Lord in prayer. What does the word masquerade apply, and how does it apply to what we're seeing? Because when you look up the definition of masquerade, you're seeing a perfect fulfillment of that, in my opinion. Well, when I think masquerade, I think cover-up, and boy, look at the subterfuge, this deception. You want to see a facade? Uh, just go watch a Democrat for five minutes. Look at these liberal lemmings. All they do every day is a steady diet of lying to the people, the bluffs, the play-acting. This is make-believe. And like Steve always says, there is no political solution for a spiritual problem. These people are demonized. And guess what? We have power and authority. Steve talks about the dunamis powered folks we have got to stand against this and pray. We've got to pray with that dunamis power against these bad actors. Paul loosed blindness on people. Look at all the arsenal that we're given. Luke 10, 19, we have power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Why? Because of Jesus. I just think you're going to look at Jesus in a whole new way. It's not phony praise. This book is your, I think, crown jewel. It is, and it's my last, if you will, hurrah in publishing. Doesn't mean I wouldn't publish somebody else's book, but writing it. And I want to remind everybody that Pastor Langford's conference coming up April 4th through the 7th in Hickory, North Carolina, if you want to see the power in that mode, I am not talking about giants, aliens, any of that stuff. I can absolutely tell you that I believe that the people that come there, this is an empty promise, are going to come hungry, and if they're honest, they're going to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. Pastor Langford's been fasting, I don't know, for, what, 21 days? And you've heard him pray, Sheila. And I'm telling you what, if it's 300, then may it be Gideon's 300. If it's four, it, the numbers are known to God. But if people don't get hands laid on them and literally get the power of the Holy Ghost, listen, you're not going to make it in your own strength. So if you go on my website, stevequail.com, go to the banners, the Age of Deception, you can register there, conference registration, and I think you'll be blessed because, again, some of you have never been in a fully anointed service where the presence of God falls, the Spirit of God moves, and if you're on your knees, you get up changed. If you go down on your face and get up after you're on your face changed, and God can is the only one. Look, I can't give anybody a word. People send me emails, give me a word. You know what it is? Repent and get
get on your face. I don't know how to give people words. Good night. I'm asking God for a word for myself, you know? And so the point is, is that, Lord, help your people. So it's called the Age of Deception. It's on my website. It's going to have some very powerful speakers. Dizdar's going to be there. Uh, the Hagmans are going to be there. Some of these people I don't know. Jimmy Smith, Irvin Baxter. Uh, I'm looking at David. I know him, and I think I see myself, who looks familiar. Hugo DeGarris will be there. And the reason Hugo's there is because he brings, he's not a Christian, okay, by his own confession, but he brings an understanding of the world. Look at how God is, Sheila. He gives us one of the, by his own peers, one of the three smartest men in the world. And he talks about the Artelec War. And, and I don't think people understand the contrast. What the Lord is saying, here's what you're facing, here's what you're going to need, and I'm all you need. We used to sing that in Sunday school. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. I'm telling you this, you can go get an old hymnal, go find one, and just read the words of songs and get a better sermon than is preached in 99% of the pulpits. Now, those of you who are men of God, who are preaching the true word of God, I bless you, and I pray the power of God comes upon you. But your best life now, that's a lie, it's a deception, and unfortunately, a lot of people are going to end up in hell because they believe the liars and the pickpockets in the pulpits. Yeah, the evangelifish like Joel Stachel, my friends, Osteen. Absolutely. Listen, we're not trying to pick on anyone here, folks. This is very serious. When people are being led to a devil's hell, what, are you just going to stand there and let them burn? When it comes to the pulpit, I'm going to tell you a man that does not compromise, and that is Pastor David Langford, and he's fasting, and that is going to be one Holy Ghost meeting. You can take that to the bank. Maybe some of you don't even know what this is like. You've never experienced this. To be under the power of the Holy Ghost just shows up so powerful. What you've been looking for, I bet you, God is going to deliver. You're not going to be the same. And boy, Steve, that goes too for Hugo Daguerre's. I bet his life will never be the same either. And I love him. I had the best hours of talk with him. And I say that genuinely. And, you know, ladies and gentlemen, here's the deal. If I were to say what I believe my commission is, is in the Lord, and I said this, Sheila, on your show once, if I had a fellowship, it would be called the Black Sheep Fellowship, okay? <laughs> because I'm commanded to go out in the highways and byways, and through the love of God and through the offer of unlimited forgiveness, compel people to come back to Jesus. Compel people to come back to Jesus. Don't put that gun in your mouth until you said, Jesus, if you're real, help me. Don't take those pills. And if you've, if you've sinned beyond sin, by the way, I've been there, and I'm not making light of it, I can tell you this, the heart of God is always open to the backslider. And all you have to say is, honestly, help me, Jesus, and put those words, help, run through them, remind yourself, is everlasting presence, is everlasting purity, is everlasting power, is everlasting protection. You run through the word help in your mind, and something happens. A new understanding of Jesus gets birth. And again, Sheila, this all came to me in less than five minutes. That may be hard for people to believe, but it's true. And I will stand before the Lord and give account of that. The helps came to me that fast. No, I believe that after reading this book. This is a download straight from the throne room. It is very powerful. Folks, you got to get this book. The book is Jesus, the Premise of the Promise, the subtitle God's Answer for Perilous Times. You can find Steve's new book there on his website, stevequail.com. It is also bookmarked there in the description below. Steve, I think this is just so impressive. Darren did a beautiful job. It's a stunning cover. And it's stunning content, quite frankly. And Steve, this, I believe, is going to bless a lot of people. So thank you so much for writing this. And thank you for your time and coming on the program today, Steve. Thank you, Sheila. And thank you for what you do. And ladies and gentlemen, please stand with Sheila's supporter. Because again, ladies and gentlemen, she's out there. She takes a lot of, I won't use the C word, she takes a lot of stuff from a lot of jealous, weak people, and she still stands her ground in Jesus. And she'll be the first to tell you is God is working on her as he's working on all of us. But you know what, Sheila? I thank God for your boldness. I thank God for your courage. And I thank God for your lifting up the name of Jesus. Because again, as we do that, he's the one that transforms us. God bless you, Sheila. Thank you, Steve. 
Folks, that was Steve Quayle. The book is Jesus, The Premise for the Promise. You can see on your screen a beautiful, beautiful book. I think you're going to be very impressed. Listen, I get the emails. Folks, try to get out to this North Carolina conference. That's Hickory, North Carolina, Age of Deception. I've got the poster up there right now. That's April 4th in Hickory, North Carolina. Get out to that, folks. I get a lot of people asking me for a powerful event. Well, take it to the Lord. If you guys are not fasting and praying, I'm going to encourage you. Pick one day a week and fast. These kind cometh out not but by prayer and fasting. You want to game change your Christian walk? Start fasting. Listen, Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. He just assumed you'd be fasting. Jesus' disciples, they fasted. You want to be a disciple? Fast. You want to be a disciple? Get in your word daily. You want to really change up the game? Start doing spiritual warfare daily. You do those three things, I'm telling you, game changer, folks. We have a fantastic show on Monday. Mike and Gail Patton join me together for the first time. It's called Ghosts, Ghouls, Evil Spirits, and Spooky Paranormal. You are going to love it. So that's Monday. We got a great lineup next week. And if you did not hear my show with Gary Wayne, The Narnia Deception, check that out as well because there's Deliverance Prayer at the end of that. That is called Narnia Chronicle Deception, Gnostic Narnia Gods, Nephilim, demons, and reprobate creatures. Go check that video out and make sure you're following me on YouTube. I'm hoping to have my Hallel expose done. God willing, that's www.sheila.media. It's there on your screen. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless you.